0: Man, Monsanto is getting hit like crazy. Um, three more verdicts since we talked. Monsanto. Monsanto. So that's the manufacturer of Roundup. So this is the the weed killer yes, that is causing yes. non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm-hmm. So um, this case, the 175 million dollar verdict. This was in Philadelphia. Came out on Halloween, October 31st, and before that, in October, on October 20th. They were also hit in Missouri for 1.25 million, so that was kind of a smaller one. 175 million on this Philadelphia one, and then um, just after that, San Diego, 332 oh my million dollars. God,
1: it's so interesting though how how much these. Verdicts can vary. I mean, the first one, 1.2, they're probably like, oh, you know, we can handle that. That's nothing.
0: 175,
1: Jesus Christ. And then boom, next one, 350. Prioritizing profits. Prioritizing, prioritizing, dangerous
0: drug and product cases.
1: Welcome back. Another episode of Prioritizing Profits, Dangerous Drug and Product Cases another week another show we did unfortunately miss last week uh, but we're back at it and we should be good for the foreseeable future uh every wednesday
0: well as long as you're not globetrotting that is <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and um hopefully hopefully i'll be here at home um i mean i love traveling Tra- you know is a good time but also i'm much more of a homebody and um flying across the world is is, is they're taxing, on the body and mind.
0: <laughs> it is, but it looks like you had a fabulous trip. So uh, give us some details. You were in Amsterdam for Breakpoint.
1: Breakpoint, yeah. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. Um, and just
0: at, a, kind of a, a refresher on what Breakpoint is.
1: Yeah, so every year um, there is a massive kind of crypto conference. Um, and there's, you know, stuff for every different chain, Bitcoin, Ethereum. Uh, but for what I primarily work on, Solana the big event is breakpoint and it's hosted every year around the same time Uh, i think last year was november and then this year was was um end of october and last year we went to lisbon portugal um which was which fantastic time enjoyed it and then this year was amsterdam netherlands which honestly i gotta say i like more Um, The culture is just better, more my preference. Um, Sightseeing, the architecture, just like the layout of the towns and the buildings. I mean, everything is so beautiful. Everyone is incredibly nice and the food is incredible.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, the pictures looked amazing. That's actually one place that I haven't been. But, um, you know, I mean, and it used to have kind of the reputation of like a really party place because... Uh, marijuana was legal there long before it was anywhere here and I guess now mushrooms are legal and then prostitution and all kinds of things along those I mean there's like you know just beautiful pastoral places as well and the flowers and Mm -hmm. all of that but um, so tell us a little bit about what you did.
1: Yeah so well Breakpoint lasts five days and there's speakers every single day and you can sign up to be a speaker so pretty much there's people from you know all across the blockchain and working on a variety of different things um, and just learning about the different projects uh, people are building and it's it's a very exciting time because everyone there has the same interest and same kind of, you know, excitement for yeah. the topic of just Solana and what's potent what the potential of it. Um And, and
0: Solana's it, looking a little better, it a is. better these days as yeah. well, which I'm sure makes people happy. It, it
1: actually worked out well because um, the week before Solana pumped like or something like that. And it kept going up during the actual event. But everyone was a little hesitant because they had PTSD from last year where uh, Solana pumped right before break point. But then the day... Breakpoint ended or like the day after was when the ftx collapse happened oh, yeah, yeah. and there was like i think solana dropped like 80 percent in a week it was the most insane like drop ever so everyone was very hesitant and
0: mm, the and high it, to it like a major crash exactly
1: and, yeah. expecting to go down but it's been maintaining and it's been going well um And and overall, the the trip was fantastic. Learned about a lot of interesting products. But I think the best part is you're able to meet people you've been working with for, Mm. you know, a year, two years, reconnect. Uh, I met some people last year. I saw them again this year. met some completely new people. Uh, And and it's it's motivating. I think sometimes when you're working behind the computer all day, you forget there's real people
0: (laughs) Well, and then I noticed too I thought it was kind of interesting because whenever I do zooms, you know I always have my camera on but you and you're not that guy Um, Mm -hmm. Most often in our meetings you don't have the camera on and then you say that when you know You talk to all these people all over the world. Nobody ever has their camera on So then how do you even know what they look like when you meet them? IRL
1: well everyone has their pfp their monkey.
0: What's a PF? Oh.
1: Profile picture.
0: Okay. So, but then you see them in real life. How do you know? Well,
1: that's why you got to get the jackets. You got to get the merch that has your little, you know, monkey on, on the chest. So then you have to
0: go around looking at people's chests to see if, they, it, oh, that that's so-and-so that I'm in meetings with every week.
1: Yeah. There'll be sometimes you'll introduce yourself and they'll be like, oh, I'm blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh my God, no way. I talk to you literally every single day.
0: And then you have
1: <laughs> it, but that's kind of part of the fun too, is that excitement is you have yeah. no idea who you're looking for. And, um... You know, you build a lot of these connections when you don't know, you know, where these people live, what they look like, any of that, which feels uh, almost a little more authentic in certain ways uh, because you're, you know, you're really connecting on more of just a personality level than
0: Mm -hmm. anything else. And
1: then also general interest, too. Yeah.
0: Well, fascinating. Well, the other big exciting thing that you had mentioned was probably going to happen um was Christina taking her banana outfit oh, because yeah. you were there for Halloween which yeah. I didn't know that they celebrated in the Netherlands um, not really they, they do
1: no, yeah. not really
0: so what, what you failed to mention though last week was that you were going to dress up like a monkey
1: yeah yeah you know I kind of knew this was an inevitable <laughs> that I was going to get roped in in some way um I was I was hesitant because so there was a big event like one of the big events was the Magic Eden Yacht Party um, and it was on Halloween mm-hmm. and I, I didn't think many people were going to dress up you know I don't think Halloween's really big in Europe and uh, I knew there's a lot of people coming from the states obviously but also crypto people are, are sometimes weirdos most of the time they're weirdos
0: bit, you know, anti-social type is nerdy yeah maybe, exactly maybe not big costumers <laughs> exactly
1: not the type of people you'd think would going to be dressing up and going all crazy for for Halloween. Um, So she committed to a full banana outfit. Oh, yeah. Um, And we'll throw up a picture because it was absolutely hilarious with the little, you know, banana top. um, Just a
0: little circle of her face sticking out. Otherwise, she was full on banana.
1: Yeah, exactly. And she committed to it, too, with like a full uh, black, like under leggings and like spandex and all that. So literally, you know, when it was dark in the room, it just looked like a massive banana. (laughs) (laughs) And from the back, it was hilarious as well because, you, you know, it's just... It's a banana. Anyways, uh, when we were shopping for the costume, I wasn't really planning on getting anything. We see a monkey costume and I'm like, gosh, you know, you just got to commit to that Yeah, bite.
0: how can you not? And well, it was
1: comfortable, so it worked out.
0: And warm and cozy because it looks chilly there.
1: Yeah, but she was a uh, main attraction for sure that night. I mean, everyone, <laughs> we'd be walking the streets because the, the party was pretty far. <laughs> so uh, we're walking the streets. No one was dressed up. Like none of the locals were dressed right, up. Right. And they were just like yelling banana. People just <laughs> walk by yelling banana. Oh, Open their windows banana <laughs> like, not even saying anything else just yelling banana and then you know we'd wave and keep on walking um, but it was it was hilarious everyone had a had a good laugh about it and she loved you know she loves being the main, main attraction main center of the room
0: oh well, I'm so glad you guys did that yeah, it looked, like, it looked like a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was it was a great experience. The flight was total like 13, 15 hours. Oh, man. We had a five-hour five layover on the way there as well.
0: Where, where did you fly? Was it L, not L.A.? Or, uh, f-
1: or? No, 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 we flew out of here to Philadelphia and then from Philadelphia oh, okay. to Amsterdam.
0: Oh, so that's a long flight just to get to philadelphia uh, Yeah,
1: yeah, but we uh, got premium for there and back, which mm. is big, big, yeah. big, big, uh, much needed. Yeah, um, you recommend. Yeah. Anyways, that was my week. It was a great time. I'm happy to be back. I'm happy to be continuing the podcast. I was, I was feeding a little bit. You know, I wanted to share. I was missing our fans. I was oh, missing our audience. Oh, oh, we
0: missed you. <laughs> uh,
1: tell me about your week. How, how have you been?
0: Um, my week has been a, a little bit nutso. Um, we're doing some major overhaul of the landscaping because I agreed to. Um, have the company that originally did the uh, landscape architecture um, at the house bring a tour group through because they're having a big conference. And so, of course, this was done like about seven years ago, and some of the things are needed a little sprucing. So there's some major sprucing, pool getting all cleaned, uh, furniture rearranged. Uh, it's it, it's more of a project, I think, than I, than I realized it was going to be. But it's going to look fabulous, so I'm excited about that. Um, and then of course, big news, your dad is here visiting yeah. from New York and he is upstairs as we speak, uh, cooking up a storm, like unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I cook a meal, it's, you know, I mean, here's a main course, maybe here's a side dish. Yeah. He's got, I, I don't know how many main courses going up there and these homemade Mexican stuff. I mean, this yeah. is like, you know, green, red chili beef, green chili chicken enchiladas, calabacitas, homemade salsa, I don't know what else is going on up there, but um, it's been happening for I don't know, an hour and a half, two hours already.
1: Yeah. And I think he's just getting started. That was just the prep. <laughs> it was just the prep to, to actually start cooking. Uh,
0: so we are going to be eating like Kings when we are, when we're through here. It's pretty, yeah. pretty good. And I think Peter's up there acting as sous chef or at least, at least entertaining the chef. If not and...
1: doing, doing his best. Yeah. I mean, it is the full Mexican experience for sure. Um, he's cooking for like, there's 15, you know, Mexicans running around in the kitchen, but realistically it's just there's
0: four, four of
1: us. Of us. Uh, but yeah, yeah, like five main courses with with uh, three appetizers and then uh, we'll see. Maybe he throws out a tres leches cake for dessert.
0: Oh, geez. I don't, I don't know about that. I think he's clear and clear of the sugar. So yeah. we may yeah. be out of luck on the dessert, but that might be better. But and then I think also for... Christina, isn't he whipping up some
1: green enchiladas? Yes. Yeah, I, I, apparently that's her favorite, which I, I did not uh, know. And that's one of his favorite things to make. And he's very good at it. So it worked out. And yeah. it, her birthday's tomorrow.
0: Right, tomorrow. Woohoo. Very exciting.
1: Very exciting. Very exciting. Um, yeah, I mean, that we last year we went to France, so this year we, <laughs> this year you're
0: going to Fogo de Chao or something?
1: Yeah, this year we're trying to keep it a little bit more uh, chill. Uh, we went to we're going to Fogo de Chao. I got the reservation yeah. today, thank God. I was a little worried I was too late and we're yeah. gonna miss it. All you can eat Brazilian meats straight off yeah. the, the stick or something like that. I don't yeah. know. Yeah,
0: actually that's it's funny because the only time I have ever been there was with your dad. Mm-hmm. Um, we were in New York. I think it was for my law school reunion. And we met um, him and Dennis out for out for dinner, and that's where we went. And it was really interesting. I yeah. mean, they just come around to your table and ask you if you want whatever kind of meat it is, and then they slice some off and slap it on your plate. But it was really good. It was it was delicious, um, you know. And then they have like the whole kind of buffet for sides and salads. And um, I mean, it can be really healthy, but it's also it can be a lot of food. I mean.
1: Yeah, yeah. We I mean we've talked about it a little bit on the show before. We're we're a little bit. Foodies, You know, I don't like that term too much. I think it's kind of cringy. But uh, we like to go out and we like to try new foods. And this is one of them that we've heard fantastic things about. Uh, It's very much down our alley of all you can eat and just kind (laughs) of gorge yourself. (laughs) (laughs) So we've been wanting to go, waiting for kind of a special occasion. And this seemed like a good time to do that. So got that all set up and looking forward to it.
0: Well, you'll have to report back next week. So
1: I will. I will. Um, I'll definitely take some pictures as well you know commemorate the the event <laughs> uh, but I think we should probably hop into the cases uh, yeah absolutely I, I'd love to hear up updates I mean we've been we've been gone for a full week now so I'm sure that's been piling up
0: we could do a two hour show, but don't worry, we're not going to. So we'll just try to hit on uh, hit on the the most interesting uh, ones, and, of course, get some more next week. Um but the first one, last last week we or the last episode, we talked about the Panera death case, um the young college student who um, had their charged lemonade, and it turns out that this stuff has huge amounts, I think 390 milligrams of caffeine, um, in addition to guarana extract, which is also um, another uh, stimulant. Anyway, she had a pre-existing heart condition and died as a result of um, consuming this lemonade, um, and, and the issue, um, the lawsuit was filed, and the issue was that the warnings were not adequate. It's right there. You know, it's a self-serve, and it's right there with every all the other beverages. That, and they also indicated that it was had about the same caffeine as their large coffee. Not accurate. Yeah. Um, anyway, so the lawsuit was filed, and since that time, all of the Panera Bread companies are now displaying enhanced disclosures so that they're actually making sure that it's more clear to customers that this is not your average lemonade, Mm -hmm. um, and actually warning that um, people with any kind of heart condition, uh, pregnant or children, should not, uh, I think, and also pregnant women. Let's see. They say um, that the charged uh, lemonade contains caffeine, should be consumed in moderation, and is not recommended for children, people sensitive to caffeine, pregnant or nursing women. So, um, Quite the list there. Right. But, I mean, a very good result. And, you know, and this kind of goes to... I mean, it's sad that there has to be a lawsuit sometimes before these warnings are really adequately placed and, 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 and people are fairly warned. Um, but they are, you know, making the right moves here, doing the right thing and trying to protect people moving forward. Mm -hmm. And again, this is a self-serve kind of all you can drink situation. So you don't want to be pounding this crazy high octane beverage. And, you know, what if you, you guzzle a large one there, then you take another one to go. I don't know. I mean, self-serve, don't you always take one to go to? Uh,
1: yeah, 100%. I mean, actually, if you're at Chipotle and you're just sitting there, I mean, that's my... choice of of location. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I mean, you you fill up and if you're eating there, then you, you know, drink as much soda as you can. And then right before you go, you top off, but you want to get the bang for your buck.
0: Well, exactly. So, um, so that's the good news. Um, You know, we'll see how this, uh, how the, the lawsuit progresses, but at least they are now making sure that they're warning people moving forward. So hopefully we don't see any other, um, you know, horrible situations like this where people actually die while they're trying to just have lunch and enjoy their lemonade.
1: Yeah, I think that's big. Um, The enhanced disclaimers. And I think it's interesting that they originally kind of made that that argument that it's the same as their coffee. Right. Um, And then after all of this happens, you know, I'm sure they're not giving those same disclaimers to people ordering a small coffee. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so I think it, it sheds some light on you know how much caffeine this has, and it's a, you you bring up a great point that. Um, it is a self serve, you know, kind of all you can drink. And I'm sure a lot of people don't know that they're drinking something that has even more caffeine than most energy drinks. Yeah. And then, like
0: two energy drinks combined, I think they said Monster and Red Bull, you could combine them, and it was still more than that.
1: Yeah. And that's in just one large, I think it is. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, and they're saying so it contains 390 milligrams. And then that, the ma- but but the maximum that it uh, can safely, an adult, that a normal adult can safely consume is 400. Yeah. And this is at 390. And again, you know, it's <laughs> at all really you can, God there. forbid you top it off. Yeah. I, I mean, even even somebody who doesn't have a, a heart condition could have some some negative consequences. I mean, maybe they don't die, but I mean, you, I just feel like crap. I mean, I know when I'm all like hopped up on caffeine, yeah. I'm shaky, I'm jittery, I'm you know anxious and snappy, and um, you know you, you don't you don't need that. You're trying to have your lunch, then you go back to your office and you're just like a raging bitch. Not, well, not good.
1: You never know. I mean, maybe someone has uh, most of their workload at the end of the day. They need to get <laughs> energized for it, pumped up. That's uh, yeah, that home stretch. Yeah, I'm Found surprised it. that they're not messing with the recipe at all. I mean, 390 milligrams. I was, I ordered some cold brew today online, Yeah. and the normal one was like 125 milligrams of caffeine, and then the, the double was like, you know, 250, and that was yeah. like the high end. That was, you know, they're not going to go higher than that. And I was like, okay, wow, that's a good chunk of caffeine there. But these guys, 390, you'd think after an event like this, they might take a step back and say, okay, maybe... Maybe yeah, maybe just
0: tam- tamper it down a little bit. Yeah. I mean, does it could still be charged? At half that, right? Yeah. I mean, that still is That'll a, hell of a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's still half of you know half of your the amount that an adult can safely have. Mm-hmm. So if you really are a nutcase and it's all you can drink, drink too.
1: So because it seems like they've kind of recognized that there needed to be more disclaimers, what does that mean for the lawsuit going forward?
0: Well, so that's actually it's a, that's an interesting question because generally speaking, most states um, do have evidence rules where you cannot put in. Um, if, if, if they make changes after the case, mm-hmm. you can't use that as evidence that they should have done it sooner. Um, makes sense. Yeah, because, I mean, well, and it does, it makes a lot of sense because if, if, you, if, if that was used as an admission, then nobody would do it. And really, yeah. it's going to be in the public interest for people to be able to make these changes, still say we don't think we're wrong, but...
1: Just in case does, we are, <laughs> you know. But maybe
0: it would still be a good thing if we just... Born better, yeah. Um, you know, or fix this, or change this policy. You know, whatever kind of case it is. Mm-hmm. So um, they, it's called subsequent remedial measures. And so if you make a subsequent remedial measure, you fix something, yeah. you, add, you make a better warning, um, that's not allowed to into evidence um, in, in the trial. So they wouldn't be able to hear about that.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because I didn't know that there was a specific rule for yeah. that. Yeah. Um, but it definitely makes sense that it does because you'd see in a lot of cases where um you know they probably didn't expect or obviously didn't expect it to happen or you know a product, a product is used in a way that they didn't expect someone to use it right. um and so they want to put warning labels out there because like you said it's better for the general public but at the same time, they don't want to, you know, own up to something that they feel they're <laughs> not responsible for.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and they have a weaker position than in, during the trial mm-hmm. and the litigation. So so yeah, that was actually an excellent question. And it's it's so it, that's one of the things I really like about this is, you know, I just I know these things because it's been pounded into my head for thirty five years or so. And and uh, you know, but that's you know the, the, a, per, a perfect question and and in uh, in a, a good topic.
1: Yeah, uh, that's what I that's what I'm here for. <laughs> (laughs) A nice, good new perspective, novice perspective at times. Um,
0: A good opportunity for me to do my little law law professor speech.
1: (laughs) so, going back to the case, though, is there any updates there with how that's looking? I mean, I'm assuming it's going to take some more time yeah. to really I know, mean, these cases,
0: out. a year, it could be two years before they yeah. get to the trial. So, uh, once the case is filed, then they start the process of discovery. Sometimes there's motions to try to get the case dismissed before you do anything, yeah. um, but then there's an the exchange of information where you start getting, they have to turn over the internal documents and the information about how it was developed and, yeah. you know, if there's any discussions about what warnings. They should have used. Um, and, and likewise, um, the plaintiff, her family, will have to turn over, you know, her medical information. Um, they can depose the parents, you know, find out how often she uh, went to Panera, how often, if she had drank this beverage before, if it was a regular thing, you know, what her um, knowledge was about the risk of caffeine, blah blah blah. There, you know, so that that process takes a long time, yeah. oftentimes, you know, a year or more. So, and, and of course, there's always the um, possibility that the case could be resolved before trial. Yeah. But we'll keep on. I'm going to kind of keep an eye on this one because it's interesting, and and um, you know, and everybody has Paneras.
1: Yeah, everyone has Paneras. They're all over the place, and it's not something you really expect. But you know, it's another example to last a year to two years. Thank God they're able to put the warnings on, right, right, uh, exactly. because you know, God forbid they they don't put the warnings on because they don't want to admit to anything uh, yeah. by doing so. And then, you know, more yeah, things. other people
0: so. have have adverse consequences. Yeah,
1: exactly. Um, I,
0: yeah. I would steer clear of it.
1: <laughs> uh, but I, I don't want to get too, too hung up on this one. What other updates do you have for us?
0: So I think yeah, actually, these are a lot of things I think we talked about on the last last episode. We had talked about, um, I think, the round, some of the roundup trials that were going on. And man, Monsanto is getting hit like crazy. Um, three more verdicts since we talked Monsanto Monsanto so that's the manufacturer of roundup so this is the the weed killer yes, that is yes. causing non-hodgkin's lymphoma mm-hmm. So um, this case, the 175 million dollar verdict this was in Philadelphia came out uh, uh, Halloween October 31st and before that in October tw- on October 20th, they were also hit in Missouri for 1.25 million, so that was kind of a smaller one. 175 million on this Philadelphia one, and then um, just after that, San Diego, 332 million dollars. Oh
1: God, it's so interesting though how how much these. Uh, verdicts can vary. I mean, the first one, 1.2, they're probably like, oh, you know, we can handle that. That's nothing. Yeah, 175, right. Jesus Christ. And then boom, next one, 350. Three,
0: 332, but uh, that's pretty close. We could round up. But yeah. round up, oh. <laughs> I just got that. Go. That was totally unintentional. <laughs> um, but so the, and, and what probably happened, so the 1.25, again, that's probably where the jury was looking at, okay, what's the actual damages? This person has this, you know, has no. non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, life-threatening, cancer. Um, you know, how should we compensate them? The other ones, a huge portion of it are the punitive damages. That's
1: where they get you.
0: That's where they, you know, and again, you don't get punitives unless they decide that the company was acting outrageously, really? that they okay. knew and that they continued to sell a product so that they could make money, so that they could prioritize their profits, and they completely disregarded people's health and Mm -hmm. safety and lives, and people are dying. So that's where a jury gets pissed. And I'm telling you that a 175 and a 332 million, those are pissed juries.
1: Yeah, those are are pissed. And we've talked a lot about punitive damages, but I don't think you've ever kind of framed it that way, where it almost sounds malicious with the way that they're letting their products stay.
0: Yeah, it has uh, to be extreme. It's not just accidental oops, negligence. We mm -hmm. didn't no, it, it it's extreme, and it's where the jury says, "How can we punish?" I mean, punitive, punish. Yeah. And 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 one point two five isn't punishing a company like Monsanto. Yeah. That you know it makes billions and billions of dollars. So how much money we, we got? What's really going to be a slap to them? What's mm-hmm. going to make them step back and say, "Shit, we got to stop doing this."
1: Yeah. I mean, I would love to hear because, like you said, I mean, three fifty. I think. Oh, you know, three thirty running up. <laughs> Um, and then 175, I mean, those are some pissed juries. I'm right. so interested to hear, you know, what pieces of evidence got brought up that would, you know, trigger that type of yeah. uh, reaction from them.
0: Well, so and one thing that, that's interesting about these two cases is that they were both residential use. And so a lot and, and that may have played a part in it, too, because a lot of the initial cases and initial and, You know, back in the day, people only wanted um, the 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 cases where people were using it in their employment. It was part of their job. They were using it all the time. It was a lot of exposure. But these are cases, both of these, where people were using it in their yards, and yet, but they used it regularly. I mean, they obviously were better gardeners than I am. (laughs) Uh, They don't need a complete overhaul before people could come to their house and check it out. Um, But they were using it consistently. And you know, the average person using it consistently, you don't think that that's going to be the kind of thing that's going to kill you well, or give you cancer.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming maybe even some of those had family members as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, imagining the person using it obviously is at risk, but then, you know, kids running out, they're going to the backyard, they're playing, they got a trampoline back there. You got dogs. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly.
1: And and they're putting all that entire family at risk. So that does, that does make, make sense. Uh, You mentioned that a lot of people wanted the cases that you would come into contact when you're working. Like the
0: industrial. Yeah. yeah.
1: And and is that because they're easier to pursue and prove that they had that direct contact consistent? Compared to residential, where it's more, you know, you got to go through receipts and
0: exactly. And it's partly just your testimony. How often did you spray your weeds? Yeah. You know, um, but but when it's an industrial, um, an employment situation, or like groundskeepers, those sorts of people, yeah. you know that day in and day out they are, you know, using this product on the grounds. It's part of their job. So you know that there's a lot of exposure, and that's also going to be. It's going to to give a stronger link. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's these are this is one of those chemicals where the more you're exposed the more likely it is to cause harm yeah so those would be the strongest easiest cases in theory mm-hmm. but um, what they're saying is you know hey it doesn't take that much it turns out and so the average person just trying to have a nice yard, is putting themselves at risk, and that's where you wouldn't think. I mean, all of us might think a little bit. Hey, if I'm around these chemicals, well, you know, what, 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 I'm around these chemicals a lot every day. Yeah. Um, but people like, oh, I'm gonna spray my weeds once a week. That's a different. That's a different thing. And so I think that they it, it, it definitely did not warn. hmm
1: Yeah. I mean, I think something like pesticides, I get pretty like paranoid about, you know, yeah. because that's literally meant it. Well, I but, guess weed killers kill weeds, but... It kill, kills pests. It kills pests, <laughs> yeah. kills something that's running around. Uh, so that definitely gets me a little, like, uh, off putish there, but uh, I mean, that's a great point. Like, using it at home, it doesn't take that much, clearly, and uh, those are situations where, like we said, there's families around, and so that kind of pulls on the heartstrings a little mm, yeah. bit more. And so it, it makes sense; it leads to these larger punitive yeah. uh, damages.
0: Well, and I think, I and mean, it makes it scarier too, because it's like people. I mean, and the jurors, I'm sure, were like, "Oh, this could have happened to me." I mean, oh yeah, as opposed to, "Well, I'm not, I'm not a landscaper, I'm not a grounds person, I don't use, I'm not around chemicals yeah, all of the much time." Much more relatable. Very relatable. And then you think, okay the number of people affected probably, would be much smaller if it was just industrial use. But if this is for home use, residential use too, holy crap, how many people are we going to see coming down with this? How many people, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands, millions of people – are going to be having this problem. And so if it's so bad that you can't even be exposed in these smaller doses, and you didn't warn about it, and if you knew, okay, now we wanna punish you.
1: And so I'm assuming that if this is gonna go into a larger scale, it's going to be a class action because I mean, there's no way they can handle these insane, uh, you know, verdicts consistently.
0: Well, actually, these so uh, these did settle. The, there was a MDL, and there was like a, a huge settlement back in 2020. Uh-huh. But they are we're still able to take cases mm. and then file them file them individually. Okay. Yeah. So so they they they've paid up quite a bit. Yeah. Um. And and again, you can't use that as evidence, but clearly you know, they knew they were hurting and they're still getting hit now with verdicts. So yeah. so there should, you know, I, th- I think there's a good chance there will be another round of settlements and at least individual settlements. Um, if anybody does have cases, these are cases we still can take.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's something that's so terrifying with product cases like this where uh, I think you mentioned it was lymphoma, right?
0: Non-Hodgkin's lymphoma.
1: Yeah, uh, we're, which I'm assuming it takes a while to really kind of be noticeable and like get into your system and uh really produce itself um
0: yeah, yeah, not something that happens overnight, yeah. um, you know, uh, consistent exposure over time. Um, and, you know, and then, yeah, as you said, it takes a long time for the symptoms to develop in the diagnosis.
1: Well, if, uh, and, and it is only the Roundup weed killer product, right? They don't have any, like, off-brands or varieties there?
0: Right, so it's Roundup, um, but there also, we had talked about Paraquat as well, that's another um, pesticide weed killer. There are, is there also litigation about that? Yeah. But that is one where people don't buy it and use it for residential use so there it's much more limited
1: that makes sense well if anyone is uh tending their garden taking care of their lawns and using roundup definitely uh, i would recommend probably switching products there (laughs) uh but and then after that giving us a call and and getting that checked out because that's something that's really scary and it's looking like it doesn't require as much exposure as we previously had, had anticipated
0: yeah exactly exactly
1: um, you moving on cases that we're handling, uh, updates on cases that we're handling, what's been, what's been going on?
0: Well, um, so back to talc, the talcum powder, um, cancer and mesothelioma cases. Um, and you know, we've talked about this a few times, the whole Texas two-step where they filed the bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they first of all filed it, um, in state court and, um, then it, it was well. So, the first bankruptcy was filed. Um, it was upheld by the state court, but then the Third Circuit kicked it out. Then they refiled a second bankruptcy, uh, proposing a larger amount of money that goes into the subsidiary to pay mm-hmm. all of the claimants. And that time, the state court judge kicked it right out. So, that was two. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, apparently, they are considering filing a third bankruptcy. Didn't they
1: say on the second one that they weren't allowed to do it for a certain amount of time?
0: Um, they, the, the Actually, the plaintiffs had requested that, that the judge say, tell them that they could not do it for a set period of time, and the judge denied that. Uh, so um, it hasn't been filed yet, but um, on the third, I guess the third quarter earnings call, they somebody told us that (laughs) Hmm. told the news that that was a discussion that they indicated that the plan was that they would try this a third time again putting more money into this company this LTL that would then have to compensate all of the victims and there's over uh, over 50,000 cases that are filed in the MDL right now Um, and again these are really horrible serious conditions Um, ovarian cancer um, a really tough cancer to survive, not good odds on that one. You oftentimes don't know that you have the condition until it's very, very progressed. Um, so, so, yeah, not a very survivable cancer oftentimes. And then mesothelioma, you know, we've talked about yeah. mesothelioma, again, very deadly. And so, um, you know, 50,000 cases and, you know, and likely and, you know, more getting filed all the time because while this was all hanging out for two years because of the bankruptcy filings a lot of people weren't filing Mm. now with it getting kicked out twice people have started started filing more cases but i mean these are big dollar cases and the amount of money they keep trying to kick in here no they're not suffering they they have the money
1: yeah they definitely have the money and this is a way to kind of try to get a discount price on 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 on,
0: suffering on lives exactly exactly
1: Classic big business uh, manipulating and taking advantage of the financial system for their own well-being.
0: Well, it's just it's infuriating, and, and it was, was so refreshing, and you know, and just great to hear that the Third Circuit was saying no way. Mm-hmm. Um, now they are saying they're going to want they're going to try to appeal it to the Supreme Court. Yeah. Um. You know, we'll see. But in the meantime, um. You know, right now the cases are moving forward, and it, they're training attorneys um, across the country to be able to jump in and um, go and try these cases. I think I mentioned, I threw my hat in and said, I'm willing to go to one of your trainings and go travel and try some cases. Um, But they want this, you know, they want attorneys. and, And in fact, it was out in the news today that they're doing this. Um, because they want J&J to know we're not lying down. We're going to fight this, and you're going to be scrambling, and you're going to be running all over the country trying the cases <laughs> because we do have people who will jump in. And, and you know some of these firms might have you know, 500 cases. Well, no matter how big the firm is, they can't try all of those. Yeah. But if a bunch of other attorneys jump in and volunteer to help, Yeah. You know, and you get you know, thousands of cases tried at a time,
1: well, and then that's a benefit of of this entire system, right? Is coming yeah. together and, and having strength in numbers, yeah. And uh, that that's you know being able to kind of call in your cards and say, all right, this is what we got. Throw them on the table and see if they they call you.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I, yeah, and I think it you know it goes to the whole the idea of the multi district litigation you know in and of itself mm-hmm. that again one person it's very hard for you to, to bring a case against a company like Monsanto or Johnson and Johnson or you know any of these huge pharmaceutical companies I, I mean it's you know uh, what is it David and Goliath kind of thing uh, um, but when you have thousands sometimes tens of thousands of cases and attorneys working together yeah. then they can stand up and this is a perfect example of okay this has gone on this has been going on for 10 mm-hmm. years you guys have been jerking people around. So many of these people have have died. They haven't survived the litigation. Um, They never got compensated. Um, you know, this is just BS at this point. Well,
1: and it's so terrible too because they benefit if people die because then you don't have to pay for the pain and suffering, right? Pain and suffering dies with.
0: Well, it depends. In Arizona, that's accurate. Not, okay. not in all states. Right. Well, that's, um, that's yeah, good. and and so and hope in these cases too. Again, have a punitive aspect because again, oh, they yeah. they knew that this was causing problems since back in the 1970s. And yeah, yeah.
1: And, and you keep mentioning the Third Circuit. That's right below the Supreme Court, right? So if they appeal it, then it will go...
0: Uh, right, right so how it works so there's the state courts um, and then you kind of go to the Court of Appeals and then there are courts of appeals that are in different circuits yeah. but the only way that you get to the Supreme Court is where there's a division between circuits where you have uh, two different circuits you know so basically the law of the land is up in the air yeah. and you know over here they're doing one thing and over there they're doing another. so now we need to go to the big guys the Supreme yeah. and and say okay, which one of these is right? Mm-hmm. Yeah so the, so potentially um, you know potentially it will get there. Um, I, I don't uh, – you know, the the attorneys who are involved in this are pretty optimistic that first of all – well, so the Supreme Court has to grant certiorari. The Supreme Court has to say, yes, we will take this case. We want to hear this case Yeah. because, you know, there's ridiculous – That
1: stuff. was going to be one of my side questions is like how exactly does it get in front of them? Is I mean I'm imagining there's a probably – it's a Supreme Court court, you know, that's, a that's
0: busy. They got a
1: lot of stuff on their plate. You know, how, how far off is this going to get pushed if it needs to go all the way to them?
0: Well, it would get pushed off quite a while if it, if it goes to the Supreme Court. But the the, the the kind of the consensus is it's unlikely that the court's going to want to take this on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, there are thousands and thousands of what's called a writ of certiorari and it's basically a pleading where um, the attorneys say, we think that you should hear this case and here's why. And then the Supreme Court and uh, their clerk. Kind of go through and call them out, and <laughs> and then they pick the ones that are you know they really want to to hear and they think it's important and it was worth their time. So the, you know the, again the, the the consensus is that it's that the, the, the Supremes aren't going to want to hear this even if uh, you know if it's filed, um, if the writs filed, you know we'll see. But um, but in the meantime, it's moving forward, and like I said, the tr- you know there's uh, troops are getting trained and ready to go out there.
1: Yeah. Rally the troops and get everyone <laughs> together. And, um, you know, I like the idea of them kind of scrambling and having these court cases all across the country. Yeah. And they're having to kind of, you know, call in their backup troops as yeah. well and send them out to just all corners of the country. Um, and, and, uh, and like you said, David and Goliath and really mm-hmm. coming together and, um, pulling, uh, pulling all your weight together to, to not let these big guys push you around.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and interesting, too, this is a, another aspect of this that's been in the news recently, is that Los Angeles County has filed a suit um, against Johnson & Johnson for tout claims as well. And so this is on behalf of the co- county because they're saying that their residents have been affected and injured and of course they have to pay. I mean, a lot of the state uh, medical programs are paying the bills for these oh. people. They're becoming disabled. There's all kinds of, you know, services that, yeah. the, that the counties are having and the states are having to pay. So the counties and states are also suing. And L.A. actually said that, that one of the reasons they're filing is that J&J specifically targeted Hispanic and African-American women in this whole campaign to get them to use the talc. Wow. Um, and they have the largest Hispanic Um, community, the nation's largest Hispanic population is in California. And so they felt that LA County wanted to take a stand. And, and so, so, so what's happening is J&J is getting pressure, not just from all of these individual cases, I mean, 50,000, but a lot of them, but, but also, you know, some of these states and counties can jump in and, you know, at some point they need to, you know, deal with the problem they've created, take responsibility.
1: I'd imagine that's terrifying on their part, you know, because they're trying to just. <laughs>
0: you hope they're terrified. Do you think they're really terrified? Now? I mean,
1: you know, you imagine with the, like all the smaller cases and lawyers, it's like a fly swatter. <laughs> they're wow. trying to they're trying to shoot them down. But then L.A., I mean, L.A. is a big place. And, yeah. and I feel like the people there in the county and the state has a lot of weight behind them. Uh, So when they bring something to the table, it's I I think that would get them shaken in their boots a little bit. I've never heard of this happening before. Is this something because it it does make sense as well, because the damages, you know, a lot of people are are using the uh, local state resources for the for the medical treatment and whatnot. So it is costing them money. Uh, but when, doesn't that happen in every case? Why isn't why don't we hear this more well,
0: often? Well, it does happen, and it, you know the, the the biggest case where it's happened a lot is in the opioid litigation mm. because I mean just absolute havoc, right? I mean between police forces and hospitals and you know paramedics and I mean and, and those were a lot a lot of emergency services because people you know I mean were overdosing and yeah. um, so. Lots and lots of counties and states filed in that litigation. So it does happen. Sometimes I think it's more in the news than others. I mean, yeah. it takes a really big, ugly corporation and a big mess like opioids or this talc. Yeah. The talk is rising to that level now where this you know they are jumping in. And
1: so what does that look like? Is there an attorney or a group of attorneys that represent a county?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there are county attorneys and deputy county attorneys. So yeah, it's within the governmental system. The governmental okay. attorneys are filing this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Wow. That, that makes sense. And uh, I mean, I think it's good that they're kind of getting pressured from several different sides yeah. of it. <laughs> Uh, because they've clearly been pushing this off for a very yeah. long time. And it, now it almost makes more sense that they're trying to do this Texas two-step because yeah. they're probably thinking that this is going to get pretty bad. And the punitive damages you mentioned earlier, I mean, we saw how big they can get with Round mm-hmm. Roundup. Yeah. Um, even in a case like this, especially where they're targeting specific demographics, I would imagine yeah. that yeah. we're going to see some big ones.
0: Well, there have been huge verdicts in the, in the talc, which is why they – Wanted to file bankruptcy in the first yeah. place, but again, even as huge as they are, they could afford to pay them. But you know, another in, in aspect of this, and I, I think we have touched on this briefly, but they are, they did agree in 2020 that they were going to stop. Um, producing and selling talc-related products, but the deal was that they well they're going to end worldwide sales in 2023. So still today you can buy the products. They're not going to you know they're going to they're going to wind it down by 2023. Um, and in fact, I, when Fernando um, had had baby Haley at mm-hmm. the hospital, he actually sent us a photo because they had like a it was kind of like a, um, a what do you call it like the um, machines where you can buy sodas and things or yeah. vending machine. They had a vending machine for baby products there in the hospital and he sent a a shot of, uh, there's a little bottle of like Johnson's baby powder that you could like put your money in and, and buy, you know, in the maternity ward for God's sakes.
1: That's insane. Isn't
0: that crazy? So, you know, it's still out there. Um, and, but again, they are going to stop selling it. But, like we were talking with the subsequent remedial measures, that that information would never come in at a trial. Although, at this point, I mean, you know, the public has probably heard about this ad nauseum.
1: I mean, you'd think so, but honestly, I'd never heard of it until we started this podcast. I mean, I think that this is a product that so many people use, and it's it's an everyday thing. If you have babies or if you have any type of, um, you know, uncomfortable rashes or anything like that. Yeah. So,
0: it's a product that they tell women as, you know, as feminine hygiene to use every single day after the shower. Yeah. So it's something, again, you're going to use it, you know, if, if you use it, if you're a believer, you're going to use it every single day.
1: Yeah. I mean, hopefully this kind of starts coming to a close here. Uh, it's good that they are winding down 2023. I mean, what, they got another two months here?
0: To keep killing people. To
1: keep killing people. And, you know, I guess they're going to need every dollar they make because they're really struggling out here with uh, with the magnitude of cases. <laughs>
0: Well, we can. We're going to keep going to keep fighting it.
1: Yeah. What else do we uh, have on the docket?
0: So um, this is somewhat similar to what we were talking about with Paris Hilton. It's a, as, we, as you know, she's been very involved um, mm-hmm. in pursuing cases um, against the troubled teen industry and these you know, wilderness camps and camps for troubled teens. So in Washington State, uh, last week, there was a big settlement in a kind of similar case. So $17 million settlement. And this involved um, a dozen former residents of what was called the J. Bar D. Boys Ranch, and this is a little bit different because it was a um, a, a state-run or state-licensed group home, and the settlement was actually against Washington State because Washington because the courts had um, sentenced these boys to be placed oh. in the home and then or in this ranch uh, ranch home and so and then when they were there they were um, physically and sexually abused a lot of the same situations that we talked about um, you know in, in the places that Paris had been um, and other teens um, but this was actually a state sanctioned one and so the state ended up settling 17 million dollars wow. um, again 12 of these former residents residents. But- it's expected that there are many, many more people who went through this facility and mm-hmm. potentially have claims and could bring claims. Um, and I wanted to bring this up just in the context that it's not just these private entities that we talked about during yeah. the, during the p- prior podcast. It can also be state-run homes. Where, But if, if teens are sentenced to these homes um, and they do experience this kind of abuse, physical, sexual, um, they are entitled to bring a loss suit and um, these cases are are certainly ongoing. And, and and cases that, that we are definitely um, looking into and happy to talk to anybody if they are interested in pursuing something along those lines.
1: Yeah, I mean, that is just absolutely awful. I think I can't even imagine being sent somewhere from the state, you know, like it, you have no option. It is the, the author figure right. authority itself is telling you to go somewhere to a location that they fund. And that they're, you know, running essentially, and then all these terrible things happen. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, and
0: the evidence was that that there actually, there were a lot of complaints, and that they did know that there were problems going on, and yet they continued to send... Um, and, and then these are people who would be in juvenile court who had gotten into some sort of trouble, yeah. but sometimes, you know, relatively minor things. Um, and, and kids as young as 10 years old from, you know, 10 to 15 years old while they were at this ranch and getting just horrendously abused. And it's really just, I mean, destroyed some of their lives. We're talking about, you know, some of them have been in and out of prison, were unable to finish um, their educations, even even graduating from high school. I mean, it's very damaging yeah. and, um, you know, in, in, in really an outrageous situation.
1: Well, and it's one of those things where as, you know, this comes to light, more people begin to speak up as well.
0: Exactly. And and, and why Paris wanted to come forward, because she yeah. was very hesitant. I mean, she didn't want this to be like, you know, her legacy, her story, until she realized that she kind of needed to yeah. do that. She, you know, as a public figure, she needed to step step up and, um, you know, and, and, and help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, again... It, it, it as these cases come out, as people hear about it, you know, maybe, maybe they didn't think they could do anything about it. Well, the no. state put me there. What am I going to do? That's, yeah. that's
1: a great I mean, that's a great point. Right? I, I, that's, I'm sure there's a lot of people that have thought about that. And especially I think you mentioned this with the Boy Scout cases as well, is that there is a increase on uh, the time that you can uh, submit a case.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, if you were abused as a minor, and it's very state by state, Mm -hmm. um, and some of these statutes are are continuing, they're continuing to open them up. Some states don't have any statute. Um, Some have windows. So it's very important that you get in touch with an attorney who's familiar with this type of case. Um, But don't think that because it happened a long time ago, that you don't have a case. You absolutely might. And these cases are, I mean, it's, 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 one of these things that it, you know—it feels like there's just been this whole wave of people coming forward, and the laws are changing. Um, kind of almost like that, the Me, me Too. I yeah, mean, for I was the longest, say, sorry, right? So I mean, that. for the longest time, you just—they could just harass, they could just sexually harass people. That was it. The casting couch. it was just an accepted thing. It's what you had to deal with. And all of a sudden, the tide turns, and it's not. Acceptable. It's not put up with. People are going to jail. People are getting sued. Yeah. And I kind of feel like that's happening with this whole troubled teen industry now. Yeah. It was pushed under the rug for too long. Um, and, you know, and it's young, troubled kids. I mean, they don't think they're going to be believed. And sometimes they aren't. Yeah. You know, and, and, um, but, but, but there's a big surge right now in these types of cases. And thank goodness.
1: Well, and it, it, it's insane. It's insane to me that this is state, you know, ran and funded. The state's sending them there and they were receiving all of these complaints and it's almost known. I'm shocked that there's not a prison time. Like, this isn't a criminal case right. as well. This is yeah. just against the state. Like, who's running these programs? Who's receiving these complaints? There has to be some type of oversight over. Where those individuals, yeah. no?
0: I mean, well, the sad thing, too, is that, you know, it's kind of like the stereotype of governmental workers. They're under underpaid and overworked. And, you know, you, I mean, you hear that in so many, uh, you know, yeah. the areas, um, you know, with like the, the, the Child Protective Services and those, adult all of those kinds of things. I mean, so many things kind of fall through the cracks because they're not, um, it's just not well-funded and well-staffed and that sort of thing. So I imagine that's going to be the argument. Um, but I don't know if there have been any criminal prosecutions or if there's any attempted. It's pretty tough to do that yeah. um, but in cases you know where children are getting abused damn it I think you should you know make every effort
1: yeah and I'm sure in in that case alone I mean they probably mentioned some specific names and individuals oh, yeah. and there has yeah. to be you know some consistency there and so I'm surprised that it doesn't lead to any type of yeah. uh, criminal investigation but
0: I mean in these so the, these were the, the cases they were talking about the people were there for anywhere from the late 1970s to the mid 1980s you know who knows i mean these people may be retired maybe dead i mean that's come up a lot like with the the boy scout cases where the troop leaders you know i mean again these happened many many years ago but um you know it's never never too late um you know,
1: yeah. Well, and it's it's. I think it's a good thing that this is not only coming to light, but that this is turning into a case. Because I wasn't, I wouldn't think that this type of topic would be pursued in the courts. Um, you know, when the Boy Scout cases first came up, I was kind of surprised. And as you explain it, it makes com- complete sense. Yeah. Um, be You know, there's an, an incredible amount of damages that you kind of touched on with with struggling yeah. to go to school and um, you know being in and out of the system. Uh, but it, I think it also speaks to the kind of the time on it, where the, some of these things happened so long ago, um, and now it's better late than never.
0: Right, right. Well, you know, one of the thing I want to, to to mention too, part of the reason why these cases hadn't happened before is that it's very hard for a victim of this type of abuse to come forward, yeah. and uh, and and you know, in the Boy Scout cases. You know, because it was primarily male-on-male, um, you know, sexual abuse, they were very uncomfortable and didn't want to ever tell anybody. Some of my clients had never even told their wives that this had happened to them as 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 a child or a young man, and so I think it's the same kind of thing here. A lot of them. Don't want their names out there. They don't want other people to know about it. And so, one of the important things is that you can, you know, you 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 don't have to have your name out there. I mean, you know, you can file, um, you can, uh, you you can file a John Doe kind of complaint. That's good. Yeah, absolutely. So there are ways to protect your privacy in these cases. Now, there are going to be circumstances where you still, you know, you may need to testify, um, but there can be limitations placed on that. A lot of protections. And so, if somebody is hesitant, I think it's important to at least, I mean, you can talk to an attorney confidentially and find out exactly what depending on the facts of your case what you would need to how, how what the level of your participation would need to be and in cases like this where there are say 12 people coming forward you know again if there's and like in the boy scouts cases i mean it's a little different because it was in bankruptcy so there's never going to be a trial per se yeah. um, but there are ways that you can be protected yeah. um, but you don't have to stay silent you can come forward um, it's worth worth checking it out, and and again, you know, talk to an attorney who you know you want to be somebody who's who's trauma informed, who's yeah. very comfortable, who understands the law, um, and 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 you're okay talking to.
1: That's that's a good point too. That's something that I didn't even think about. Is not only with. Uh, the trial and kind of the fear of having to not only tell w- one other person, right, mm-hmm, the attorney, mm-hmm. but I can't even imagine having to, you know, be deposed or, or go and do, say, you know, explain these things in front of a jury. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. has to be an absolutely terrifying thought yeah. and, and experience. Um so I, it is great that there are those protections out there, and to, to make it a little bit easier, and um, you know, promote people speaking up about it. Because mm-hmm. I think uh, there's, it's not going to stop until you know
0: exactly people come out and you say know, and, and so many people that so many of my clients that I have spoken to um, have said, I feel like I need to do this to make sure it doesn't happen to other people, mm-hmm. um, and and there's you know, again, if people don't speak up. Um these these problems continue. Yeah. The abuse continues, um the sexual harassment continues like in the Me Too. In any of these contexts, um it takes really strong people coming forward um and doing the hard thing
1: yeah. to
0: um to stop these predators, um, to punish them and to make the system change.
1: Mm-hmm well if if anyone has had any experiences we are taking these cases and yeah. uh we have experience with it with the boy scout cases which i know you've talked to me a little bit about it's it's very difficult um on both sides of it obviously mm-hmm. kind of listening to these stories and whatnot but um, it's necessary it's necessary to kind of get the stories out there and and, and make sure that this doesn't continue yeah um Anyways, I uh, don't don't want to end up the show on, on, on such a no no. Here. We are coming to a close. I wasn't sure if you wanted to touch on to any questions or comments.
0: Sure, yeah, sure. Let's hit on to a quick question before we go and enjoy our uh, Mexican feast. Yes. Um, so we did have a question, and this kind of it's come up a couple of times in different ways. But the question is, you know, I had another attorney. They turned down my case. I don't understand why. Um, and, you know, and, and actually over the years I've gotten calls like this. And, you know, it's, it's, it's unfortunate because there are some attorneys who, when, you know, they, they, they take a case, they go through the intake, they do the investigation, and then they just send this very brief, sorry, we can't help you letter, um, which I really don't like. Yeah. Um, and then there are other attorneys who will send a very de- actually call and speak with the, the, you know, the client and explain what the problems are and why it's not a case that they, they want to pursue. Um, But we do oftentimes have have, people call us and, you know, we look at the cases sometimes, Um, but, you know, the first bit of advice I would offer is that, um, you know, if you've been represented by this attorney, they owe you an explanation. So yes, I might send you this very short letter. Um, give them a call, ask them to explain it to you. Um, there are so many different reasons why a case might not be viable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and quite frankly, many times I've had to tell people this isn't a case that makes sense to litigate. And initially, they might be angry, but then when I kind of walk through that process mm-hmm. and show them, you know, I mean, sometimes, you know, for example, it, it, it's something really bad happens, but luckily they weren't injured. Yeah. I mean, I've so many times heard people say, I could have died. And I'm like, I, you, you absolutely could have You know, but you actually didn't suffer an injury. I mean, you know, you see this a lot with like the medications. They gave me the wrong medication. If I would have taken it, I could have died. Well... The person was, looked at the pill and said, well, this looks different. I don't think this is the right thing. They didn't take it. Um, again, there are things that you can do, but a lawsuit doesn't make sense because mm-hmm. it costs a lot of money to to pursue, to file, to do all of this. Um, but then you, the, all you can collect is the value of your injuries. Yeah. And if you were luckily not injured, it doesn't make sense. So in, you know, those kind of cases, once I kind of explain it, and airbags are another big one. Oh my <laughs> gosh, so many people are like, my airbag didn't go off. I want to sue. I'm like, well, did your head hit the windshield? Did you go through the windshield? No. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well... That's not a good case. In fact, if, if it had gone off, the, those airbags could cause a pretty big damage. You're probably lucky that it didn't. Yeah. Anyway, so, but those are just like kind of two examples. But, you know, ask your attorney to explain it. If the attorney is, you know, really a crappy attorney who's not willing to explain why they turned down your case, you know, you can call other attorneys. Um, yeah. Oftentimes, I mean, we have been able to, you know, take a look or, or even just, you know, get the spiel from them about what happened and give them, this is probably what it is. And this is why we wouldn't take it,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, uh, you know, and get some answers.
1: I mean, it, it, it makes sense. Um, I think, you know, we've touched on a lot how people kind of insinuate you can sue for anything, but that's yeah, just not no, the case. <laughs> and, and, and a lot of the time, it's just not in the interest of the attorneys, right? Like they're, they're putting their time and money towards it. Um, and so there's cases. And
0: reputation. I mean, you're not, I mean, well. you know, a good attorney is not going to file a frivolous case. I mean, they're not, you're going to lose money. You're going to damage your reputation. The client's not going to be happy because they're not going to get anything anyway. Um, yeah. I, you know, but that being said, then there are sometimes where it's a very strong case, but the statute of limitations has passed. Mm. Um, or maybe it's a, it could have been a strong case, but the evidence wasn't preserved. And, you know, you see this a lot of times, well, you know, this product damaged me. Well, where's the product? Well, I threw it away. Oh, and how are we going to prove it? Yeah. You know, if it's not something that was consistently happening over and over again... Um, you know, like the air fryers or things like that. Um, you know, so there are certain circumstances where, you know, you have to say to somebody, we can't prove the case. I believe that this happened to you and it really sucks. Yeah. But we, we can't win in, you know, in court.
1: Well, I th- and I think it's really important, like you mentioned, for the attorney to kind of explain the reason yeah, behind it. Yeah, I
0: mean, it. come on. Yeah,
1: I think that's the, the minimum, right? The bare minimum that so. you can do. Because I think a lot of the times when someone's bringing a case, it's a terrible experience that they had or mm-hmm. they got injured or something along the Lines, but it's something that's important to them, and that's uh, you know, yeah. if anything, it can be traumatic most of the time. Yeah. Um, and so, if you feel strongly enough to take it to an attorney, that attorney, you know, owes you at least the explanation on why they're not pursuing it or why they can't pursue it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, but that's a question that's come up a lot, and it had come up again recently, kind of a, yeah. in kind the context of some of those earplug cases. And anyway, so I wanted to wanted to throw that answer out there yeah. for everybody. I
1: think that was a fantastic answer. If uh, anyone does have any other questions or concerns or comments throw them down in the comment section in youtube tiktok facebook wherever you're seeing this Um, and if it's something that you don't feel like you want to throw on to you know the public forums and the public comments uh, you can also email us podcast at showeredlaw.com um, it can be questions, comments, or even a story if there's something that you want to share, you want us to kind of touch on or talk about um, to share experiences with other people and maybe try to, you know, other people to avoid it, whatever it is. <laughs> we're here. We're happy we're to and We're happy to Reach uh, talk out, please. about it. Uh, but thank you all for tun- tuning in. It was a fantastic show. I had a good time. I'm happy to be back. Oh, we're
0: happy to have you back, Benny.
1: We're looking forward to the future, looking forward to next week, and uh, we'll see everyone around. Prioritizing profits, prioritizing, prioritizing dangerous
0: pro- drug and product cases.